review of the NASGP magazine. So today we're talking about the August 2017 uh, edition of the Session of GP. The 96th uh, edition. 96th edition, mm. which is out today. And um, so I've been, Sarah, I've been putting this together over the last uh, couple of weeks and you've had a good look through it today. I really enjoyed well. reading this one, actually. That's yeah, good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, but, but, I mean, I, I learnt lots of new things reading it, actually, so I was, it was really fantastic. Um, so, I mean, just running through it, what, um, Paula Wright... Yeah, so, so our first article is from, from, from our lovely friend Paula Wright, who's a, a very well-known GP from the North East. Um, of England and is very active with, with the BMA and has put together, uh, or, or actually Paula approached us a couple of weeks ago asking if she could write this article on, on working within a hub because she's had a lot of personal experience of this locally and uh, the GP's locally been doing some research into this. So yeah, what did you make of it, Sarah? Well, it, it was just really good timing because I've, I've, I've heard about a hub beginning here locally and it, I think it is a national rollout now after the pilots to sort of increase access for, and, and for what Paula's saying, it's for um, on-the-day patients. They can come along, um, they get 15-minute appointments, the GP's seeing them get access to the notes. And she's just talking about how, how it works, what it's like for her as a GP, some of the implications for your indemnity insurance, um, how it's seen locally by other GPs. It's not always, not always positive, is it? There's, there's certainly yeah. sounds some really good things about it, but also some downsides. Yeah, I think, I think lots of... Some some positivity from patients. You know, just obviously grateful that they can get to be seen on the day. Mm. Um, sometimes she mentions this is true, isn't it? Confusion from patients that often it it can be staffed by um, GPs from their practices, and they say, "Well, well I'm confused." You know, so, you say you haven't got appointments, but it, here, here I am seeing you here. Uh, it's really a bit confusing, and that touches on this thing about actually is it taking resources away from practices practices being a little bit so so what i understand then this is that this is a a group of let's say 15 20 practices whatever the number and this is for patients who are kind of urgent on the day that's not not coming with a chronic problem and so they phone up a central number i believe or or no they've booked up by their practice yeah yeah by the practice and they're told to to tootle off to a different surgery or a different um practice um, not necessarily the one they're registered at, where they could see anyone, any GP from any of the practices or one of the salary GPs or one of the, one of the local GPs. And they're given a 15-minute appointment. Yeah. And and hopefully also um, the GP seeing them has access to their normal practice record. But there are certain provisors and not let the GPs don't very clear about not doing any repeat prescriptions, any non-urgent referrals, just two sort of two-week Mm. Stuff. urgent things yeah and um obviously the the hope is that the g that the gpc in them can just seamlessly um add to their patient record and and um you know if they initiate any uh ref- any urgent referrals like that that things can be followed up at their at their home yeah, practice importantly continuity. Yeah. so Patients, patient, some patients like it, some patients confused by it, some patients, if they're not properly signposted, think it's just like a normal GP appointment and might be disappointed if they turn up and can't get what they want. Um, yeah, Paula obviously touches on what's also been said that, you know, well, wouldn't all general practice GPs like to be funded for 15-minute appointments? So a little bit of uh, why is this going here? Why couldn't it be sent to practices? Um but you know you can only you, you you can 
you, you know, you write about what you know and there's good bits and bad bits about it, I suppose. What, what, I, what, I, what I was saying to you earlier, what I found interesting is that um, I understand the GPs uh, working on in these hub sessions get paid more. Well, um, that's not Paola's experience, no, but no, that's not Paola's experience. How they start off, but certainly 15-minute appointments as well. Yet when, when, uh, and, and the GP, when the GP is in the context of doing this, it sounds like they're often in a case of basically working in an alien practice, um, sometimes not with notes uh, with patients they don't necessarily know, yet somehow, uh, well, at least they get 15, minute, mm. 15 minutes of that. But actually when, when you're locoming in a regular practice, we don't get that 15 minutes, and there seems to be a sort of a slight mismatch there. So I hope it may well be that this is a, if, if all GPs, partners and practice-based GPs get experience in working in these subs might get to appreciate more what it's like to work in so many different practices mm. and, and those things but um so I found that that aspect quite interesting so that that's um uh, that article from Paola. Yeah, it's good, very good timing thank yeah. you pa thank you very much to Paola <laughs> and um the next is uh from our uh, lovely friend is Densley who's a, a, a very experienced accountant um and this is a difficult one to talk about isn't it, Do you know I mean? it, it because it's about it's about understanding payments on account <laughs> and and for all the right reasons it's quite a technical article but it's it's i, I know you're, I think, sorry you're the same as me but but when it comes to anything financial just people have just got to mention mm. the word um deposit or 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 something, you know, even a basic word. I, I, I get, I get very confused. So payments on account, does that what people owe me? Is that what I owe other people? Indeed, it's it's all of it. I mean, I think we are very, very lucky that we have um, contributors from the financial world, both Liz Densley, the wonderful specialist medical accountant, and and Nigel Farage, Farage, yeah. who's the uh, uh, financial advisor, who's who's contributed, yeah. who who are really uh, right, very accessibly. And um, I really, uh, I've never really understood, as I say, switch off, but I can really get what they're saying. So it takes a little while to get your eye into the um, accountancy speak, if you're me. But I, I did come away feeling that I understood paying yeah. to account a bit more. It's basically just making an estimate of what your neck, what your current year's um, tax liability might be so that you can keep a bit of a, a running tally of, uh, you know, obviously you have your accounts on its retrospective and from that they make a, a forward view of what you're, what you might owe next year. So you could end up underpaying or underpaying. So the common plea from Liz is to keep up to date with your tax affairs so that you don't um, get nasty surprises. Yeah, as you were saying that, I was thinking about the film Inception. I wonder why. But the... Um, um, I mean, Liz has been very instrumental in helping us with NASGP's uh, bookkeeper. Yeah, um, yeah, and part of Locum Deck. Yeah, yeah. so that all those of you who are using Locum Deck, um, um, the all the the information about your travel and your visits and all of that and your expenses and income are all being put into Bookkeeper, um, ready for you for your tax year to export and, and send your accountant. But also, um, um. This calls this a picture. We do actually have a picture in this article. It is a picture of a spreadsheet, um, and it is, but it is a spreadsheet you can read and actually understand. And there are calculations in it. And and when I looked at it, I thought, oh, really? But actually, it's really good. Okay. It actually uh -huh. is very clear and, and understandable. Um, I, well, I had to work out what POA meant, but that's payment on account, obviously. Um, and uh, so yeah, I, I I certainly walked away a, a lot 
happy and clear about this. There was something she said, again, if you're a younger GP, um, she was saying that some things aren't um, aren't put forward on account, so you can, they, they, they sort of stay constant. Um, am I talking through my hat here? Where is it? Um, so if, you, if you're someone who's got student loan repayments, um, for instance, um, uh, she, she, she's got this paragraph here that's, that's some things aren't included on the payment account and stay fixed. So even if your income drops, um, you could still end up paying more than you thought. And she said, for young GPs, this can come as something of a shock when there's still a large balance to pay on static income caused by student loan payments that are not mm. included in payments on account. So hopefully that makes sense to people that are younger mm. younger GPs. It's, it's really... And if it, if it doesn't make sense, get an accountant. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Richard, onwards and upwards, oh, where are we next? Oh, that's, that, that, the, the next is, of course, an advert for mm. um, Essex Sessional GP Conference. Now, this is this is uh, Camilla Porter, who runs these regular Sessional GP conferences, primarily aimed at GPs in Essex, but open to everyone. Um, and we're actually talking this year, which yeah. is very nice. We'll be up in on the... It's a Saturday, the 30th of September in Chelmsford. And um, and if, if you are going along, please come and say hello to Sarah and I. We will be there. We'll have a stand. Yeah. Um, and we'll be talking about um, NASGP and Locum Deck and a few other things in the practice platform. And uh, look forward to lots of questions on that. Um, next article. Now, this is from the Med- Medical Protection Society, Rachel Birch. And we put a question... Because you... you, you Done a yeah. surgery recently, hadn't you? I, I had a, I did I did I, I did a re, I had a recent surgery in 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 which um I saw I see many patients who don't have English as a first language and in this particular one um it was in fact it's chillingly similar to this case study that yeah. Rachel gives in this article here. It was a uh, a, a a lady who was having some symptoms and her teenage daughter was was brought in uh, as a translator. And uh, there was just a, 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 I'll let you read the article, but it's very chillingly similar to the case that Rachel gives in that um, they, they, they came in maybe thinking it was one, one symptom and I ended up having to ask sort of lots of questions about her personal life, about whether she might be pregnant, etc. Which isn't, and I just thought, this isn't, this isn't right. And yet no. it, she it hadn't been announced that she needed a translator, a double appointment hadn't been booked. And so I just this thought, is a 10 minute appointment? Yeah, it just throws up this whole... Uh, the whole system, really, of how this appointment was booked. What do I do in the 10 minutes? You know, if you're in that catch-22 yeah. where in order to assess if this is an urgent problem where you have to urgently get a, a, a good translator service or, or really insist on it, you need to kind of know what the problem is. And in order to find out what yeah. the problem is, you have to talk to people. And by that stage, the consultation's really already underway. And when do you say, actually, this isn't... I don't think you're understanding... Anyway, it's this whole thing about when there's when you're using um, translation services, what's... Um, What's acceptable? We all try so hard. Patients have made appointments. They come along, and we so want to help and 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 try hard to help people. Uh, but but sometimes it's just it's just too much, and you're placed into a position of of unacceptable risk and risk. And you know, I looked into this a little bit, and the gold standard is that there should be a professional translator, um, not to use family members, and for all the all the right reasons. But how often does that actually match up to our daily? working experience um and so i just we we posed the question we posed some questions to the mps about about use of translators and where responsibility lies for 
uh, for communication errors that might happen as a result of the use of translation. Certainly, Rachel, I've still got some more questions having read the article, but um, I, I feel a lot... There's definitely things that I would do differently now. Um, I, for instance, in the consultation I had, I mean, I just... this 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 daughter of the patient was she she looked to mid to late teens uh, and she seemed to have a very close friendly laughing um, jolly relationship with her mother and because she had the better English she almost seemed more like the adult in this yes, situation yeah. so it didn't occur to me uh, to really verify her age um, but of course obviously if this had been a 13 year old who looked 18 as you often get maybe it wasn't appropriate to have her so I would definitely um, be uh, following Rachel's advice to document the name and the relationship of the translator. And if they were a, a young person, I might document their age. And if they were young, I might have second, very, very serious second thoughts about using a young person as a translator. And I would also be saying to them, you know, you need to, to say word for word what I'm saying to you. And, and I'm going to might be asking you some intimate questions. Are you happy with that? And you have to repeat back to me word to word. Because you do often get that thing where... You, you feel that actually maybe the translator who knows the patient is 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 maybe giving their opinion yeah, or their, second, their spin on events. Yeah, and it's, my GMC duty is to um, assess the patient need as, 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 as best as I can and to uh, the health service as a whole has to provide sort of some sort of level of equality of access. But um, where does that start and, and, and end when you know if a, if a patient if an appointment's been made somehow and it hasn't been picked up that this person needs a translator well you know there might be issues there with the practice and how that's how that's picked up and it's, it's very possible the daughter just make, probably what usually happens is the family member who can speak English brilliantly makes the appointment and yeah. it's only when the patient arrives at the practice you realize ah um, so it's getting that clarity um, about about you know and the whole catch twenty two of how do you work out what the what the need is if you can't communicate fully, fully yes. with the person really. Yeah. So so that yeah, thank you, thank you, big thank you to Rachel. But um more questions coming. Maybe maybe you'll all have questions and experiences of that as well. And and all, all and in this all these articles go in the magazine, but then over the next week uh, week weeks and months we'll we'll. Uh, also put these online as well which it's, it's a lot easier then for you to uh, actually leave comments on the articles and then the authors will pick those comments up so if you've got any questions um if, if you want to wait for a few, a few weeks until the article comes out or uh, yeah we can pick them up from there and the next article is from um from nigel farrah from legal and medical and this time he's uh, um, written an article on illness cover and i was actually on holiday uh, last week and mm -hmm. actually got a phone call from a member on this on this very subject and i remember walking along the lovely dorset <laughs> coast along chesil beach um um, um talking to talking to a, a lovely member about about this and um and various options so so nigel's put them in there but we, we've got income protection critical illness but also locum insurance as well which is something we, we, we've talked to members before about and, and done articles well about. i think when when nigel's talking about it here i think we might need to change the heading because he's talking about locum cover insurance so he's talking about in the article where it says locum insurance it's a little bit misleading. It, it is yes i've, I've it, asked them about that it's yeah. yeah so i think the generic the general use of the term locum insurance is for somebody in a partnership who needs insurance to pay their own locum cover if they go off ill. But I think what you're talking about, there's... 
an advert by yeah well there's actually the um the, the next page there's an advert but also on that bit on locum insurance the second paragraph there's actually a link and if you click on that that goes to our previous online yes, article yes. about the locum version this is what you as a locum gp can take out so we're ready before your your um um uh Income protection, Income protection kicks, in. kicks in in six to 12 months' time. You could have a policy which will kick in in four weeks, after four weeks, and take you up until that 12-week period. It's like an accident cover, and it will compare you your full salary yeah. out. I, I think the really good news about Nigel's um, article is, I've, I mean, I've been a GP for coming up 17 years now, and I took out income protection, and I've been locuming for lots of that, and I took out income protection years ago. And um, it was it was it was massively uh, it was quite expensive. It was a fairly big outgoing. And the good news thing that Nigel has brought forward in this article is that in 2013, there was a sort of industry wide Mm. uh, whole insurance industry um, had to follow some EU gender directive so that females could know because income protection was more expensive for females. So it's come down in price. And he's also saying that there's been. uh, upgrades and improvements to lots of the policies and um, I can answer from personal experience that I've managed to get my same cover by having it reviewed and reapplying I've managed to get it a whole lot cheaper really? on the same terms and and Nigel actually I think he's got a term in there he says so you know that the the big companies one of the big companies the big providers has majorly improved their policy offering and he his quote is it's the best we've ever seen <laughs> so um I I've, I've always I've always had income protection um I, I can just sit, consider it one of my running expenses and I factor it in when I'm thinking about what I need to, to charge to, to run my life and my, myself as a professional. And, mm. um, and it, could just, it could just be that it's got a lot better, especially for females, um, than it was, and that there's better policies out there. So thank you, Nigel. Do you know what the tax position is, by the way, on? Do we, do we get tax relief on when we pay these contributions? I don't know. I don't think so. I certainly don't. I'd like to know. Yeah, no, I've, <laughs> never, I've never been asked by an accountant about it, actually. I've asked an accountant about it, but I forgot the, I, I forgot the answer. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, typical. Um, oh, and, 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 and Kate's next article from Kate is on... Kate Little. Kate Little. Yeah, yeah. position burnout. So when you read this, you'll see that Kate actually wrote this, I think, on a, on a Thursday of so <laughs> travelling on holiday a, a few weeks ago. Um, and, it, and it's great. You often talk about the gratitude attitude, yeah, don't you? Yeah, I don't know where I've read this, but um, uh, I, I have read about this before. And Kate, it's a lo- it's really lovely, beautifully written article. And um, Kate's talking about uh, she's 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 formed an, an organisation, a website called Physician Burnout and Kate's very open about the fact that she was a partner for a long time and burnt out and it, she's fantastic in being very brave about being very open about that um, and talking about what led to it and really un- unpacking it all but also about what's protected her and helped her recover and this is part of that, um, part of that recovery, part of that series and she's done lots of learning and reading about mindfulness and looking after yourself. And she's talking about holiday as a great time for reflection um, and wanting to take that forward into her working life. And this gratitude attitude, it's, it's, it's just about those small moments. I think there's a quote in there about, you know, you can't stop the waves, but you can learn how to surf. Mm. So it's about noticing small lovely moments and noticing that they're there and you can use that in your own life but she also gives an episode where she uses it for a patient and it seems it's important to write it down as well it's not just registering it mentally it's actually there's something about the pathway of 
brain to hand and writing it down that's important. And Kate, um, at the bottom of that article, there's actually a link to a, 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 a smartphone app, which I've actually downloaded, oh, yeah. Gratitude Garden app. And oh, it's, really? It's been, I downloaded it a few days oh, ago. Brilliant. And it's been reminding me over today, have I written down any of my yeah. gratitudes? And I've written a couple down. A gratitude attitude. Gratitude Okay, and I like... We saw a little squirrel standing up in the garden, so I've written him down. <laughs> well, I think one of my good things was actually reading Kate's article and picturing her in a car with all these kids and just <laughs> no noticing, being stuck on a motorway and noticing the wildflowers. And I really relate to that because uh, there's a particular buddlier bush on the way on the A27. Yeah. And I get stuck on the A27. <laughs> the surgeries that I'm very fond of. And I notice and I look at it and ponder it. So, yeah, it's, it's great. Just don't write it in your iPhone when you're actually driving. <laughs> anyway. um, and lastly, is um, a really brilliant article, as always, from Judith, Judith Harvey, um, on... on um, on menstruation. Lovely title, Richard. Yeah, it was last Judith's title. Bloody it hell, it's called. It is, and it's true. We still have a long way to go to break menstrual taboo. I'm actually meeting Judith uh, tomorrow. And, um, and Judith doesn't know this, but I'm going to bring the microphone along. <laughs> and we're going to be in the British Library at three o'clock. And um, I'm going to spring the microphone on. I might get a, get a, get, get an interview. Um, but yes, yeah, so this is this is about um, um, just how still in the in the... In, in 2017, even in the UK, it's it's there's still taboos around mm. it, and of course nothing compares to what's going on in in other countries. And um, what what if what, what did you pick up from it? You know, just just as you say that that in, just in and of itself, you know, some people have really hard times with with periods, and we sort of live in our bubble. And I guess our daily experiences as GPs would be of of people who are you know, having painful or, or heavy menstruation. But at least in this country, most of us, most of us, not everyone, has got uh, access to sanitary uh, protection and um, doesn't have that sort of thing. But I, I often think when I'm talking to patients that there are, there is an atmosphere even in, in our Western world. You know, there, there's a spectrum of, of kind of discomfort around periods range going right the way up to disgust and sometimes shame I think actually and um you know Judith makes a, a reference to this that it's out there in, in t Donald Trump's tweets you know yeah. about period and people yeah. I mean she must be on it it's just terrible but yeah another there are places where literally it's lethal to, to have periods and just you just don't realize how debilitating it come it becomes if, if you don't have access to sanitary protection and you're using you know leaves. rags or leaves um or you're kept in a in a you know you're banished from your community during yeah. your periods and um there was even when judith mentions this and it was on the news when it was a 14 year old girl in nepal who who had died of carbon monoxide poisoning being stuck in it she'd gone off to the shed and had lit a fire and yeah so it's pretty pretty humbling yeah. stuff and you sort of think, where do we start with this? Where do we start? And then there's all these wonderful examples, and Judith mentions them of just grassroots, grassroots people trying to change things. Because there's also the environmental uh, yes. process. I mean, albeit we have access to sanitary wear, it's cotton, it's all wrapped in plastic, and that is just a huge. You know, if if um, it, there's only apparently 
very small percentage of people of people in India, for instance, that have access to sanitary protection. If all of those people started needing cotton and plastic as mm. we as we do, so there has to be another way. And luckily, there is a lovely man called uh, he's there's a company called is it Jaythashree Industries, and this is a, a chap who who newly wed a few years ago and didn't know had 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 to leave school early, so was fairly uneducated. Um, didn't really know anything about menstruation and kept wondering what, why his wife would be disappearing off. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and then found her with these really filthy rags, which, quote, he wouldn't have wiped his scooter with. Realised what was going on and decided that he would go off and, as a present, buy her a sanitary towel. Then realised the cost of these things. I so thought, well, I can make this cheaper. Um, some years on, he's now actually got... Uh, a business, a company uh, that's won all sorts of innovations. His, um, he, it's it, it's a machine that he can take a small machine that can be is quick to learn how to use, and and women can manufacture pads, distribute them to other women. You're made so from banana fibres. It is. It's, yeah. it's some sort of wood fibre. Yeah. It's some sort of wood fibre, so it's sustainable. It's it's uh, easy easier to dispose of and biodegrade, etc. And there he is providing employment and, as he says, dignity dignity to these women um, but it's so sweet I mean he just had no clue he, he made this towel first towel for his wife um, uh, I, I read this elsewhere a, yeah. while, a while ago so I remember reading this story and Judith mentioning it just brought it all back and he so didn't know about periods that he made this towel and he wanted his wife to try it and she said well you have to wait a month now because <laughs> it's period and he didn't even know no, that really. periods were monthly he he just and for somebody like that in his you know in that culture yeah. to yeah. Uh, to uh, confront those prejudices and come up with a grassroots practical solution. It's just, it's the future of the world, yeah. isn't it? It's but it also says a lot about education, doesn't it, as well, and how important that is. And you've got countries, you know, yeah. uh, where, and, 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 and the likes of that, that man who shall not be named, we've already mentioned. Well, I was going to say, we still, in, in this supposedly educated world, have these awful attitudes. Yeah. Um, and I love Judith's final quote. It's harder to smash, and it's easier, to smash, it's easier to smash an atom than it is a prejudice. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Albert Einstein. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. That's really good. Thanks ever so much for that. And um, and so really hope you enjoy this magazine. Please do. Um, this 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 podcast is is also embedded on our blog page. So you might have either picked this up on iTunes or your favourite podcast distribution service. But there is a, there is a, a, a blog page to go with on the NESP website with this where you can leave comments you can ask us questions um, and of course we're the NESGP we're a membership organisation if you're not already a member we'd love you to join us we'd love you to become a full member it's only £11 a month you get so much for your money this digital magazine podcast a whole load of videos we're doing more and more of those th- a thousand pages of content and if you're a local GP this incredible um piece of kit our lo- the practice platform which includes locum deck for managing all your locum stuff and getting instant bookings and practices which are we're getting fantastic feedback from and our standardized practice information portal which more and more practices and, and today even 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 network hubs of practices are getting in touch with us to start using it so um, um do look out for that please get in touch and please do join us at the nesgp thanks ever so much goodbye bye